The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would ask you to open them up with me to the book of 2 John. 2 John. We finished up 1 John last week, and I'd like to finish up all of John's epistles, these three letters that he wrote, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 2nd John and 3rd John are very short. In fact, I hope today to cover the entire book. It's just a short letter, and uh, we'll take a look at what the Apostle John writes this morning. You know, it was uh, Bob Dylan, I'm sure you heard of that song that he wrote back in the 60s, The Times They Are A-Changin'. And of course, he, he wrote in the early 60s there, and there was quite a bit going on in American culture at that time. And uh, he kind of captured that, times they are a-changin'. And I couldn't help but think about that, even as I look out into our culture today, I would have to say, wow, the times, they're still a-changin', aren't they? There's just a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in our nation. We're coming into a, a political season, an election year. And my goodness, things are so just in flux and, to be honest, almost seemingly unstable. And, you know, you can't help but get caught up a little bit, at least myself, as I watch the news, as I see what's happening, and just globally, nationally, locally, and thinking about, you know, just what's happened in my generation. I'm not a young man, but I'm not an old man. I'm somewhere, you know, in there, but... uh, just how things have changed. And it kind of occurred to me, you know, my guess is things have always been changing. This is our generation, so we notice, you know, you can see what's happened in 20, 30 years, and wow, things are different. But my guess is in every generation, probably people felt that way. Wow, things are changing. Certainly it was that way even for the Apostle John. The Apostle John wrote uh, back in the first century, And you remember John's life. He was just a young teenage fisherman when he first met Jesus. Jesus came to that little small fishing community on the north side of Galilee, meeting John, his brother James, Peter. They together were in a fishing business. Jesus comes and begins to invite them not to be fishermen any longer, but to be fishers of men. And how John's life must have changed. But just imagine the things that he saw changing in his own nation, the nation of Israel, which was under the Roman Empire occupation, how he watched things change nationally for him. His own personal life radically changed because of Christ. When John writes this letter, he's up into his 90s. By now, his brother, James, the sons of thunder, his brother has now been long martyred many years ago, killed for the faith. Peter's long gone. He's been killed off for the faith. All the apostles are gone. He's the last of them. And, and you must you know, kind of appreciate, wow, the things that he saw change in his lifetime. And the Roman Empire itself was in turmoil and in flux and change and constantly, you know, just cultural things offensive to the gospel, persecution. And, and I'm sure that John could have said the same thing. Wow, times, they are a change in. And so John writes these letters, well advanced in age. And I have to wonder, you know, 
If I, if I were to live to be in my 90s, what it would be that I would write, if I were to write this church, for example, some, you know, 30, 40 years from now, to write a letter to kind of encourage you as a church, uh, what would it say? What would be the things that would be written? What, what today needs to be said? What, with all that's going on, boy, so many things we could talk about. What does John choose to talk about? He really comes back to a fundamental foundational truth I've entitled today's message, Truth That Lasts Forever. And I want to encourage your heart today, because if you're like me, you're watching at what's going on in our culture, in the political environment, and I can't help but be frustrated. I can't help but be kind of anxious about it. I can't help but be uncertain about where are we going as a nation, as a people, what's going on in the world. There are financial concerns. There are security concerns. There are just way of life concerns for us who want to live and raise our families in a, in a moral and biblical valued culture and society. Things are going kind of offline, off course. And so what do we need to be reminded of? Listen, there are no political answers for us, church. There are no politicians that will come and and make it all well. The world is on a destiny for one place, Jesus coming and establishing his rule and reign upon the earth. Until then, there's going to be turmoil and the times are just going to continue to be a change in. And so we have to come back as Christians. I think sometimes we just have to reset our hearts, our minds, and come back to the truth, the foundation, truth that lasts forever in any culture, in any political environment. What are the things that really matter? What are the things that I truly want to hold on to and exemplify in my life? What do I want my life, my family, my marriage, my, the generation that I will be passing values on to? What are the important things? And I think that John hits it here. And again, a short letter, but so profound and truth that is timeless. John speaks to us. Remember the writer of Hebrews who said of this hope, our faith, our Christian faith, it is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And I think it's time for us to kind of remember our anchor as believers in this day in which we live. First of all, Look with me, verses 1 through 4. It's time to know the truth. We're talking about truth that lasts forever. And first, you've got to know it. Verse 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. John says, introduces himself first, the elder. Now this is the Greek word presbyteros, and it means literally aged or old. So he's writing this as an older man for sure, in his 90s no doubt. And so there is something of just a wisdom that comes with all that he has seen, his life experience. 
But in, in the New Testament, this word doesn't just mean someone who's older in age, but it often communicates someone who is also uh, of a spiritual leadership that God has entrusted. So he's old in age and there's wisdom, but there's also experience in Christ that he's seen enough of life. He's walked with Jesus for a long time now. And so as an elder, he's able to speak words that are proven over time, over a lifetime of trusting the Lord. So these words come to us really from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, but also through a vessel that has found God to be faithful and true. He writes to the elect lady and her children. Now, Bible teachers are not sure whether this is, this is John's letter to a personal uh, individual, a personal spiritual lady and her family, or whether this is written to a church uh, and, and, and the congregation. Uh, and some, you know, kind of think, well, it could be either one. We're not entirely certain. I like what Wearsby said. He said, it this, he said this is, offers this as a solution. Perhaps the solution is that a Christian assembly was meeting in this home along with the family of the elect lady so that John had both the family and the congregation in mind. And that day there were churches living or meeting in gathering in homes. And John's letter seems to be very kind of personal, individual, but also he seems to be talking to a group. So it could be that it's a family that he's speaking to, or it could be a church and a family gathered together in this place. But he wants to remind them of the importance of this truth. Look again, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. John writes to this this woman and her home, to this group of believers. And he said, listen, what unites us is the truth that we have come to know together. And it's a truth that will abide with us forever. And he says, I love you because of this truth, but not only I, uh, anyone else that has come to the knowledge of this truth. This gospel message has united all of us. This is the connection that John feels with these writers. This is not a political uh, uh, party. This is not some social group. This is a spiritual heart. The Bible says that we have been united in Christ. This is what brings us together today. We're here because Jesus has touched our lives. A truth has come to our hearts and we have found together that it is the most important truth in our life. And the Bible says that these are, this is the way it should be. You know, maybe you've had this experience. You're out and you meet somebody and you find out they're a Christian. Wow, this person in this particular setting, it's a, you know, in the workplace, in the marketplace, in some social gathering, you're somebody on your son's daughter's soccer team and you find a Christian. Oh, and then you find out that they know somebody that you know. And oh, yeah, they fellowship at this church and you know that pastor. And there's this unity. And this is kind of the sense John's writing. Not only do I write to you, but all those that know this truth, we love you together. There's this common connection that's made. I think it's possible even for Dodger and Cub fans to come together (laughs) in Christ. I'm in mourning today. (laughs) 
And I'm, I'm trying my best to love Cub fans today in Christ. Just don't rub it in. I may be tempted to just, you know, get into the flesh. <laughs> there's, a, there's a unity in Christ, isn't there? And listen, that's what we need to be mindful of because things are getting polarized in our time. People are getting so opinionated about everything. But, but listen, Jesus is a uniter. Christ is a unifier in our lives, not a divider. But he says something about this truth. Okay, he elaborates on this truth that has brought us together. He says in verse 3, here's the truth. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. What is the truth that lasts forever? Grace, mercy, and peace with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. It's, it's, it's so refreshing to just be reminded today that there is a truth that lasts forever. Listen, nations rise and nations fall. John wrote during the day of the Roman Empire. Oh, and what an empire and political, uh, you know, force it was. It's long gone. The Roman Empire is no more. But I'll tell you, this truth still resounds. Grace, mercy, peace. The gospel. Grace. The word means gift. God has given us salvation. It's not something you've earned. It's not something you've toiled to, to make yourself worthy of. It's not of any works, lest any man should boast. This is the beauty of this truth. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave as a free gift the work of his son to die on the cross for our sins that we might receive what? Mercy, forgiveness. Oh, this is a timeless truth. Is there any generation that doesn't need mercy? Is there anyone in here today that doesn't need the forgiveness and mercy that comes to us through this work of grace, the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ? And what is the result of that grace and that mercy? Peace. Peace with God. Sin separates us from God. Sin divides us from relationship with God. But Jesus Christ, because of mercy and forgiveness, brings us into a relationship where we now have peace with God, a loving relationship built on the work of Jesus Christ. This is the truth that lasts forever. Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God, which, in, which illuminates our heart to this truth, and the Holy Spirit of truth, who guides and leads us into all truth. God wants us to know the truth. And as our hearts open to it, as our hearts are willing to receive it, God opens even more truth to us. If we harden and reject and resist, well, then we become and remain blinded. But God wanting us to know the truth. And John, of all the things he could have written about, 92, 93 years old, what should I say? I know. I want to remind them of the gospel. I want to remind them of the truth that will last forever. Grace, mercy, and peace with God. Well, he doesn't tell us just to know the truth. He goes on in his letter and reminds us to walk in this truth. Verses 4 through 6. 
I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. John, I rejoiced greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth. Apparently, John and his travels, or maybe at another church that he was working out of, we don't know, somewhere his path crossed, either children of this family or someone from this fellowship, and he rejoiced to discover that they were walking in the truth. Oh, this is the heart of the pastor. This is the heart of the shepherd, the apostle. This is the heart of Christ that all men and women would come to the knowledge of the truth and to walk and live out their Christian life. This is the blessing for anyone who is truly in line with the heart of God, that we would see God's children walking in that truth. That's my heart as a pastor. I want to see you prosper spiritually. I'm so blessed when I see people from our church going on in the Lord, walking in truth allowing God to work in and through their lives. And he says, I'm so blessed I found some of your children. And then he goes on, and, and I now plead with you, just as they're walking in the truth, oh, I want you to walk in the truth. You, you feel the heart of God reaching through the apostle. It reminds us of uh, the apostle Paul when he said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As we come into this relationship with the Lord, because we discover that he loves us, this truth that changes us is that God loves us in grace and in mercy. And that love that we have sensed and received from him, it creates a response of love toward him. And that response of love toward him longs and looks for ways to serve him, to obey him. His commandments are not burdensome to the one who has tasted and experienced the love and mercy of God. His commandments are opportunity to fellowship, to walk in the light and the life that God has given. And and those commandments include that we would love one another. This This is kind of the cycle, if you will. God's love changing us and and bringing us into peace with him and then empowering us to walk in love towards one another. And so this is the commandment that we would walk in love, that we would love one another. And he says, it's not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which you have heard from the beginning, that we would love one another. 93, 95 years old, He wants to write something of value, something of of importance to this church, to this family. And he says, listen, I have nothing new to say, but oh, how I want to remind you of this truth, that you are loved by God and that God has called you and I to walk in that love with one another. This is profound. This is a truth that lasts forever. 
And maybe us as believers, we need to come back to that central thing in our own hearts that we would remember, you know, as crazy as it's getting out there, we have a truth that lasts forever. God loves me. God's called me to walk in that love towards one another. We just had a missions conference yesterday. Our first one as a church, we held a missions conference. We co-sponsored it with Calvary Chapel La Mirada. We held it on their campus. A good number of you were there from other churches were there. And we heard from missionaries. And some of the testimonies are really incredible. I'll tell you, God, God works mightily in the mission field. Those who put their heart and life in line with what God is wanting to do with the gospel, you see incredible things. We heard from missionaries in Mexico, South America. We heard a, an Egyptian brother who ministers and has traveled all over the world ministering to Muslims. And how he, the love of Christ is working and sharing Uh, changing even Muslim hearts all over the world, incredible testimonies. And the, and the one thing that they, you know, they all, the common thread running through all of them is we just, we are compelled to share Jesus and we have to go and share the gospel. This is the truth. We have the answer. We have what the whole world needs, every culture, every generation. This truth lasts forever, that God loves you. And he has sent his son to die on a cross for you that you might have grace, mercy, and peace. And that's still what the world needs. That's still what our culture needs. That's still what our, our nation needs. That's what all of our hearts need is that love of God. And so we're compelled. And John says, I'm pleading. The apostle Paul says, as though the Holy Spirit were pleading through me. Be reconciled to God. And this is the, the love that we have for one another. It's that fruit of his spirit. What compels somebody to pick up and go, you know, across the world and, and transplant their lives to, to live in a place, a foreign land, in a difficult circumstance? What compels them? To share Jesus, to share the truth of Jesus. One pastor shared, he said, listen, not God hasn't called everyone to go to a different country to be a missionary. Because some of you are living your missionary life right here, right now. Boy, America is a mission field if ever, if ever there was one. You are living on the mission field. You are just a pilgrim here, living out your Christian life for the purpose of the gospel. Coming to you and now flowing through you. John goes on, look with me. He tells us not only to know the truth, not only to walk in the truth, but to abide. This means to remain and continue in the truth. Verses 7 through the end of the letter. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine, the teaching, the truth of Christ, does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face 
that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. John says, listen, you've started in this truth. I'm pleading with you to continue to walk in this truth. And I'm warning you to uh, remain in this truth. Abide in this truth because there are many deceivers that are out there already. Many other distractions, many other doctrines, already false teachers, men looking to kind of draw a congregation after themselves, not remaining true to this central truth of Jesus Christ. Many distractions and false truths. Boy, that's still the world we live in today. There are many distractions. There are many things that rabbit trail us away from the central truth of Jesus and his work in our lives. Sometimes you can get off into error and false doctrine because there are many out there. You know, to be honest, sometimes it's just cares of life that seem to derail us and get us all, we're all wound up on something that doesn't really matter in comparison to this truth that lasts forever. And so John is warning, don't don't chase these false uh, doctrines, these false ideas meant to deceive. And he says, not only that, but look to yourselves in verse 8, that we do not lose those things which we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. You know, take inventory of your spiritual life. Don't slide back. Don't burn hot and then retreat and become something of a lukewarm believer. Don't lose your first love. He says, take, he, look to yourselves. Keep an eye on yourself. Are you still walking in those things that you've already, that the grace of God has already worked into your life? Don't retreat. Don't fall back. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God has called us to something of eternal value, a truth that lasts forever. Do you have any regrets for any investment of your time, your life, your heart, your love, your priority? Do you have any regrets for those things that have been invested in Christ? I have none. Boy, I have some regrets. But you know what they are? They're all the detours that I took when Christ wasn't central in my life. Listen, Jesus changed my life. When I came to know him, everything changed. He rebuilt my heart. He forgave me of my sin. He put my life on a completely different course, a totally different trajectory. I have no idea where I would be apart from Jesus. I don't know what would have become of me. But thank God, by his grace and by his mercy, and he's kept me. Listen, there's been some ups and downs. How about you? There's been some times when I wasn't looking to myself as well as I needed to, and I did slip back, and God had to restore me and bring me back on track. And that's what John is saying. Listen, guys, in the, in the, in the final analysis, keep Jesus central in your life. Don't lose sight of the truth that lasts forever. Live for him Stay close in relationship with Him. Learn to know Him, to love Him, to experience Him. He changed my life. He's changed my marriage. He's changed my family. This is what matters now as you get older. I've got a a granddaughter who's just a little over two. 
And my daughter is now ready to deliver any day. Uh, My second grandchild, already they know it's a boy, so I've got a grandson just ready to come any moment. And as you get in, you know, you kind of get into, you start seeing the next generation coming online and you begin to think, you know, what's really important? What do I want to pass on? Oh, I I mean, it's good to be wise and, and to look to store things up for your family's future. I think retirement's a wise planning move. I, I think there are many things that as parents, as grandparents, we, we look to bless. But, but, the, but the most important thing is that they would know Jesus. Oh, God, I want to pass on my faith. I want to pass on this truth that lasts forever. Because believe me, other things will come and go. They will rise and fall and political ideas will come and they will go. But there is a truth that lasts forever. It's grace, mercy, and peace in Jesus Christ. This is what I must pass on. This is what the Apostle John, well into years, decides to remind this young church of. Oh, you hold on to this truth. Don't let anything shake you from it. And keep Christ central. Whoever transgresses, getting off course, not staying on, abiding in the doctrine of Christ, getting distracted, you're missing it. You don't have God unless you stay in the doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus the center of your life? He is an anchor for the soul in time of trouble. He is a a, a foundation beneath your feet, even in crazy times that you and I are now called to live in. This is the truth that should become even more precious to us. I think, this is an opinion, I think that part of what the Lord is allowing to take place in our nation, I I believe some of it is a judgment on, on a people that have put God aside. And I think we're seeing part of that manifest in our culture, in our time. But I think something else that God is up to is he's kind of letting us see the the emptiness of our own solutions as a people. And 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 it's almost as if, you know, he, he wants people to say, what is going on? Because he wants people to realize, he wants us to remember, this is what's going on. This has just gone on in history from for all civilization. This is what's going on. Don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in government. Don't put your trust in finances. Our trust needs to be anchored in God. The truth that lasts forever. Grace, mercy, and peace. Amen. Found in Jesus Christ. Now listen. We do need to evangelize. The idea here is not to just, oh, well, forget about the world. Who cares? You know, I got Jesus. No, uh, I, you know how I feel. I've shared this with you before. Listen, God's called us, I believe, to be salt and light right where we are. I think we should be citizens that know what's going on and voting and doing our part, actively looking to bring Christ and our spiritual biblical values to bear where we can as God gives opportunity. When it comes to evangelizing, we are to be sent out into the world. But when it comes to where our truth is anchored, it's not found in the world. It's found in Jesus Christ and in our fellowship. Look what he says. If anyone comes to you, verse 10, and does not bring this doctrine, 
Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now in John's day, there were some false teachers moving and bouncing around from church to church. And John is warning them, hey, don't let some guy that doesn't hold to this doctrine, who's not orthodox about Jesus and who he is, don't let that person into your fellowship. That's not going to be good for you or the church. You participate in his false doctrine if you let him come and give him voice in your home and your congregation. So there is a certain protection concerning the truth. Evangelism is out bringing the truth. But for the truth that we hold to, we are, we are watchful, we are careful, and we are selective about who we embrace, about who we allow to come and sow truth into our lives. It should be that way in your home and in your family. It should be that way in your personal life. We need to be careful about who we fellowship with. Again, evangelism is one thing, but close, intimate, spiritual fellowship, we need to be with those that are like-minded about Jesus Christ, who he is, and his gospel. John says in closing that there are many more things that I would write to you, but I'm going to wait till we have chance to be together. I'm looking forward to our fellowship. I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. So this is the joy of Christian fellowship, being able to come together and have relationship. Christianity is about relationship, relationship with God through our faith in the gospel, and then the relationship that we have with one another as we walk in that love, loving one another, encouraging one another. And John says, I'm looking forward to getting there because when I see you face to face, our joy will be full. There is, I think, a fellowship for us as Christians that we need to hold dear, that we need to make a priority. We are living in a, you know, as I've said, a a perilous world, but we have something together in common that unites us in Christ. And I pray that we would be able to continue to enjoy it together, to fellowship together, to encourage one another, and to carry out our mission. What is it to live for Christ in these days? We're here for such a time as this. We're not going to retreat or be afraid, but we're not going to be fooled and overwhelmed either. We're going to walk. Let's walk faithfully in this truth that lasts forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle John in his aged years to remind and bring the church back to this place of truth that lasts forever. It seems timely to me, Lord, that we would be refreshed and reminded ourselves here today because we're living in perilous times. We're living in Lord, changing and sometimes alarming, maybe even confusing times. And so as believers, Lord, help us to reset our heart, our thoughts, our minds on this truth. You love us. You've saved us. You're coming for us. And you have us here for the mission that you've entrusted to us. And that is to share the truth of Jesus Christ and his gospel. As our heads are bowed here today and we close in prayer, I do want to give an opportunity for anyone that may need to respond to the Lord. And maybe you're here today and the Lord has spoken to you. 
And if so, you want to respond, I would love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and for the first time you, you realize that God loves you and you're ready to receive that love. You want to put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you. You realize today there's nothing you can do to earn it. It comes by grace. That means a free gift. And all that you can do is receive it and say, yes, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Change my heart. Oh, give me that truth that lasts forever. I want peace with you. And if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you need to recommit, rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you would say, Pastor, you know, I'm that one who just hasn't tended to myself, my walk, my spiritual life as well as I should. And I've been distracted. I've been overwhelmed. Maybe you've entangled yourself again in sin. Maybe circumstance has led you astray. Maybe you're just all wound up about everything but the truth that lasts forever. And your life just needs to come home to this central truth again. You just need to recommit your heart to Jesus. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus for the very first time, or if you would like to rededicate, recommit your life to Jesus, I would ask you to raise your hand right now and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here today? number of hands there in the back, up front here. Yep, on the aisle. God bless you. Over here on my right, center there left. God bless you. Dead center, amen. God bless you. Truth that lasts forever. Anyone else? Many have responded. God's speaking to you. God bless you. We're just going to pray. Oh, but what a prayer. What a prayer can do. What a, what a prayer can mean. What a heart in sincerity. One moment of sincerity before God can change your life forever. We're going to pray. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Let me see. You. Raise it high. Anyone else? Just Lord, we thank you for these hearts responding to you today, and we pray that you would meet them. Oh, that you would meet them with grace, with mercy, and with peace. All the things that you promise through Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us. We need that mercy. We acknowledge there's nothing in us that can earn or merit these things. We just want to receive it from you as a gift of grace. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead and you love me. And that this would give me peace in my heart, maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time in a long time. God, I want to be at peace with you. I want to be settled and established beneath my feet. I need this anchor for my soul this truth that lasts forever, that you love me and that you've called me to your love and that you have changed me and empowered me to walk and live a life of love and the good fruit that it brings. We ask these things. We thank you for them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. 
For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.